Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, July 22nd edition of the Rebel Report. Later than we normally drop it, that's because... I'm on vacation. I'm in California. Uh, <laughs> I'm on West Coast time. Uh, I wasn't going to do the podcast this week, but then I figured I'd have a lot of thoughts on California. And uh, yes, I do. So yes, I do. Te- technically, I mean, it's earlier than we normally do it for you if, if you're on California time. Yeah, it's about right at time. It's like 10 o'clock my time now. So we're <laughs> right on my schedule. But it's been weird, dude. It's like I'm still like adjusted to the other one. Like I had a four o'clock a.m. wake up call to catch a flight out of Memphis Saturday. <laughs> And I thought I'd sleep in, but dude, it's six o'clock in the morning. I woke up like ready to rock and roll up here. And I was like, this shit sucks. The sun's out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is not cool. So but, uh, what, what, what's been like the uh, past two days in LA? What have you done? Okay. So he is in Newport beach. It was I'm visiting a buddy of mine that I lived with in college for three years. And he's in law school at Sanford in Birmingham, but he's doing an internship at a sports agency out here. It's actually the agency that reps Pat Mahomes. Uh-oh. Oh, how about that? Yeah, they got some pretty big clients. Anyway, he's living in Newport Beach. So basically, I got here Saturday about 1130. We went to the beach, uh, took some boat ride. I was actually driving a boat in this channel. Oh, uh, the boat uh, the boat doesn't go over five miles an hour. Okay, so you don't have okay. to have a license or anything. But in my mind, I was ripping that thing. Uh, that makes me feel so, better. Yeah, so I was taking that. that I, I screwed up the parking big time, though. Like, So we had to like pull the thing back in. And the lady was like giving me directions to try to do it. And I ended up literally just, I could not have possibly admit, like, like I could have been blindfolded and there's no way the attempt that I gave would have been first. So finally they're like, this kid's an idiot, shut the engine off. And then basically just pulled me in like it was a raft. <laughs> so I was, I was good at driving it. I was not good at like parking it and turning it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to blame the boat, not myself. But they, they, they it literally got to the point where I couldn't turn it in correctly. So they were like, you know what? Just shut the engine off. And they literally just like roped us in. They're like, God, these, this kid can't do anything right. Um, yeah, he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> and then woke up yesterday pretty early and went to L.A., uh, which is about like a 90-minute drive, about an hour oh, and a half. Like, it's not very like far, but like you hit so much. Like, it's like 35 miles, but it's like traffic and other things. Sometimes it can take two hours. But we went to a Dodgers game, toured the stadium. Um, we didn't stay the whole game because his sister was with us. She had to catch like a flight out. But, yeah, went to the Dodgers game, hung out, and then really haven't done much. Now I'm sitting outside, and the weather is 75 and sunny. <laughs> As always out there. Pretty much. They say it never rains out here, which I another theory. Like, I had a thought about this. is like, how in the world in California can you live a normal lifestyle when there's no rain? Like, you, don't you need rain to depress you yeah. at all times? If you, this is like it is every day, there's no way you can be in touch with reality. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. But, I mean, it doesn't. Like, I, the Dodgers or the Angels may have had a game rained out this year, and it was like the first game that had been rained out in nine years. It was like since 01, I think, is what our oh, tour really? guide says. Yeah. Jeez. Um 
Yeah, I just yeah, I, it's uh, unbelievable. Like how can, how in the world can you be like I, I couldn't live a normal life? Like at some point I'm like I need a shitty weather day so I can feel normal again. I like, need 38 degrees and I have to go cover a baseball game in it. Thank you. Yeah, this is like year round stuff. I just don't understand like how you can like really just be in tune with. I don't know. I, I don't even really know what I'm saying. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't know if I trust the weather. Um, what is the weather conspiracy theory? No, no, no. It's it's just I, I have a like like there's no like. I just like if you put someone out here that lives in this all the time and they're like, hey, you know, go to Rankin County, Mississippi, <laughs> they'd probably be, you know, it'd probably be almost like a whole nother country, right? Yeah, it's like a third world country from a weather standpoint because you drop them off in February and it's 28 degrees. Right. And, you know, there's no palm trees and beaches and stuff. Drop them so, off in June, they'll be dying. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, that was another thought I had. The second one is, uh, Oh, Dodger Stadium's awesome. That's oh, what yeah. the coolest place I've ever been, I think. I, uh, you know, Ole Miss that goes and the Giants there. Park is amazing. You know Ole Miss goes out there either this year or next year? Yes, I think it's this coming year. I could be wrong about talk, that. Uh, talk to I Boston need, to going back. Yeah, no kidding. Like, look, I'm experienced. I got all kinds of connects out here now. Um, <laughs> went to that. The Dodgers beat the hell out of the Marlins. The Marlins yeah. are still a major league team. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, you should have gone on Saturday and watched Kershaw pitch, man. Yeah, I know. We were hoping that line up, but I don't know. Walker Bueller was pretty cool. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's he's really good. And then they had uh, Ryu going, I guess, Friday night. So yeah. um, they're going to be they a really good playoffs. Yeah, I just like they probably need another bullpen arm, they like, which they'll probably add in the next ten days. And they're they're clearly the best team in the National League. Like I think it's. I just don't see who's beating them in a playoff series. Nobody. I mean, of course, I mean, when you get into the three out of the five, like maybe, but I don't really see that's it. That's what I was going to say. You can only beat them in the NLDS. You're not going to beat them in the CF. But the problem is they're going to get one of these crappy wild card teams. Yeah, they are. It's a, you're, they're, they're, I don't know. I like them in the World Series. American League's a, a little bit different. Um, trying to think what other thoughts I had. I went to the beach on Saturday. Is it, is uh, it like a, is it like Gulf Shores beach or, or no, it- <laughs> not even, not even close, man. It's uh, it's like, so like the sand's harder. There's uh, like some tar that kind of washes up on the beach sometimes from like the oil tankers out there. The water's a lot colder, but it's like a, it's like a public, like the one we went to is like a public beach. And it's like the, uh, it's not like that. Cause all those ones you go down there are private. And like, these are people like just doing this, like they do every weekend too, along with vacation okay. people. So much different vibe. Um, I'm terrified to take my shirt off around these people because they're all tan and they're all in good shape. And I'm neither one of those. So <laughs> that was, uh, the shirt stayed on for most of it. Um, but it was a nice afternoon, you know, drinking beer and sitting there and watching the ocean. It was pretty sweet. Um, what'd you do this weekend? I uh, helped move my sister to Jackson, and that was an experience in and of itself. Why? Well, I mean, she's going to school down there starting, I guess, next week. So, yeah, it was. Uh, she lives in Brandon now. I guess I probably shouldn't say her uh, address, but anyways, we had to move. We had to pack up all her stuff in Oxford and then move it to Jackson. That was not fun, and in, in, in about a twelve-hour window. Yeah, moving's not a moving's not the most fun thing on earth. It's moving the worst is thing among the world. worst things. Yeah. Like, you don't realize um, how bad it is because you usually don't do it, but, like, once every four years. But in the middle of it, you're like, there is literally – I would rather be doing anything else on the planet than this right now. I'm trying to think of any travel complaints. Oh, I did. Yeah. So this is not necessarily a uh, – this is not a new pound topic. I'm pretty sure a lot of people should on this now. But if you're the person that gets on an airplane and when the thing lands and you're at the gate, 
you stand up and crowd the aisle instead of just filing out an order, you are literally the worst. And everyone is looking at you thinking you're an idiot. You are the worst person ever. I can't believe it's 2019 and people continuously still do this. Like when you get off on the when you get to the gate and like your plane is like you know, stops or whatever, and they're about to let you off. Like, you go, like, by the seat order. Like, you get off at row at a time, but there's all these one, like, everyone, there's always, like, 20 people that stand in the aisle. And I just can't believe that's still a thing. Like, how, like, there was one guy that did it and then tried to cut in front of me as I was getting out. And uh-huh. I even, like, oh, no, I, I finally, I was in kind of a bad mood because it was early in the morning. I was kind of cranky. And I, one, I stepped in front of him and didn't let him cut me. And then I just kind of looked at him and was like, first time on an airplane, buddy? Did you really say that? Yeah. And was not very happy about it. But like, as as someone that's only flown once in their life, like a one way trip, I don't really know the airport etiquette. So I am one hundred percent going to piss someone off when I start. Just don't stand up when the when the when the when the plane lands and you're in your seat. Don't stand up and clog the aisle. Like just wait until and let the organized process take over of getting off. It drives me insane, and people do it every time. I usually drop like when I'm in a really bad mood. Sometimes I'll do the elevator one, like at SEC. You know, when people get off an elevator, yeah. And someone walks in and instead of letting the people get off first or like blocks up the doors, they're trying to get in. It's like, what are you doing? You let the people off and then you get on. That's how this works. But occasionally I'll drop one of those. It's like, so like there was a guy, I was last day of SEC media days. I was kind of cranky again. And like, there's like, there's a guy that was walking, like I was going off the elevator and there was a guy trying to come on. And then he literally like played like stutter step with me trying to get past his elevator. I was like, dude, let me out. And then you can go in. So I just kind of looked at him and was like, First time on an elevator, buddy. Like, let me show you the buttons. They're shiny. Like, wait, what are you doing? You're going to get punched one day, Rip. I don't care. Be normal. <laughs> You're going to have to go to the emergency room. Drives me insane. Like, th- these are not, these are so- social norms that are really not that hard to abide by. It, it just, it drives me nuts. And then, really, other than that, I didn't have any complaints. The flights were pretty easy. There's a screaming kid behind me that kept kicking my seat on the other Oof. one. That kind of, yeah. I'd, I don't really know how to attack that one because, like, if you're a parent, like, you have to travel with your kid, but I don't know. Like, should there be a separate airline for children? That's a good idea. <laughs> Seems like that'd be uh, that'd be hard on the money. Yeah, that's true. That's probably not the best idea. Anyway, that's about all I had. We don't really have it much today. What is going on in the old Miss world? Man, there's not much going on. It's been, like, a week since media days. They didn't really say a whole lot there anyways. Camp started they didn't, like a week. I guess the, the the kind of newsworthy stuff that came out at the end of the week is Ole Miss was predicted to finish six out of seven in the West, and they didn't yeah. have anyone named to the All SEC teams. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not one to get like riled up about that kind of stuff one way or another because guess what? It's a preseason All SEC thing. It doesn't matter. But I was a little surprised that no one on the offensive side of the football or Sonogo didn't catch one of the three teams. Like uh, I figured, Givens or a Phillips yeah. or Sonogo might you know have a chance to get on one. Yeah. They have t- put together really really good seasons last year, um, and I think I think if you let Phillips finish out the year and he gets over the a thousand yard mark and he gets like kind of well over it, he probably makes it. Yeah, there's just a ton of good running backs in this league right now. Uh, I mean, you've got Najee Harris, you got the kid at Vanderbilt that had a really good year. Um, you know, there's just a lot of guys that can really play in this league. So, but yeah, I was kind of, I'm kind of with you. I'm shocked. Maybe not so much with Sonogo, but, uh, that Givens and, uh, Phillips didn't get at least a third team look 
I guess give, Phillips is really, I guess, a product of his like the position being deep. I never really thought about it that much from that standpoint. But just I don't know, like Sonogo, you have 112 tackles on a defense like that. Like, like they didn't tackle people often, but if they were yeah. tackling, more than likely it was it was him. And then Givens is just kind of an older guy that's played a lot of football and played really well, battled through some concussion issues and things. I thought he had a pretty good year last year, but like I said, it doesn't really matter. Like, none, none, like. It's, it's so I didn't even turn I didn't turn in a ballot I, I just didn't I was kind of really just a lazy thing um sixth in the west is probably where everyone in their right mind yeah. had them predicted yeah um I mean you I could make a case for seventh I would put them sixth though but yeah that's about right I assume state's fifth Auburn's yeah and then fourth. some combination I think it was I think it was Alabama LSU I think it was a and m Auburn four yeah. state fifth the only the really the only question in the entire thing is three four like was it Auburn or a well, Like the rest of it was very predictable. I guess. I, I mean, you could do the Arkansas Miss thing, I guess, if you wanted to, but you're going to get that straightened out rather quick in week two. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's to me like part as like if, if last year's what you're basing it on and what they have coming back, like can you really put a two and ten team ahead of Ole Miss? Oh, absolutely not. No. So sixth, I mean, that's probably where they're going to finish. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I, you can tell me they beat Mississippi State and finished fifth, but yeah, they're not finishing above that. Yeah, I mean, the only, I guess, really, the only scenario above that is if Auburn has a train wreck of a year, yeah. Gus is fired in the season, and they just kind of quit. I don't actually see that happening. I think I Auburn's going to be pretty good if they can figure out the quarterback thing. I don't think they're going to be like challenged for the West good, but I don't see that slipping into total just. Anarchy is not the right word. Yeah, disarray. But like, I mean, it's certainly like that's that's the only scenario where I could see Ole Miss or really State finishing above that. I don't know. State's got a State's an interesting team to me because they still have a top twenty defense. Like, it's not the best defense in college football, but there's still a lot of good players there, and they have a lot of good players on the offensive side too. It's just like, like what happens if like, like their ceiling is honestly probably pretty high if Stevens is is good, but if he's not, then. Does it look like last year where they literally just can't score points and you're wasting yep. another good defense? And like I mean, like you said, the defense is good, but it's not not what it was last year. You go eight and four with that team last year, um, and you kind of score at the same level you do this year. That probably turns into what six and six. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they're gonna so, go yeah seven and five, something like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, what they were eight and four last year, and to their credit, as bad as they were offensively, they were still a player two away from being ten and two. Like they lost two close games, and I'm not saying they should want them, but even with all their offensive like dysfunction, they were close to being ten and two. But the problem is that defense was pro- literally the best defense in college football. Like, like I, I if if I were a state person, honestly, and that was like the team I got really emotionally invested in, I would be in such a like. Like it would be such a complicated place to be in because I don't I don't actually think Moorhead's a bad coach. I think he is mm. a smart guy. I think he's got a chance to be a good coach. But just imagine inheriting a quarterback that literally cannot throw the ball down the field. Cause like Mullen used the quarterback in such a unique way. And but but at the same time, like it's such a complicated situation because the same time is it, it's hard to fault him for that. But him not giving Colin Hill the ball in that much volume is inexcusable and he wins eight games in his first year and everyone is really disappointed. Like what a complicated place to be in, you know, yeah. like, like you, it's, it's a first year head coach. There's very like, like any, there's always going to be growing pains with that, but like I would almost not want the de- number one defense in college football my first year. <laughs> that sounds insane to say, but I think that's the point. I, like I'm trying yeah. to make. 
I mean, if you're a good coach, though, don't you adjust your system to what your you know your strengths are instead of just trying to fit a fit a square peg into a round hole? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. In some in some respects, I, I would say the the Kyle Hill thing probably speaks more to that why he was not given the ball more and why they continue to slam Fitzgerald into the line. I just like like you get there and you think you have this team that's really good, and then you see the way Fitzgerald or lack thereof throws the ball down the field, and it's kind of like, what do you do with that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. Um, what was funny about Fitzgerald is he could absolutely throw the crap out of it. Never knew where it was going, but he. Could yeah, no, I mean, it was it was good. Air, yeah, I mean, it's getting airborne. It's just, you just didn't really know where it was going. But there'll be an interesting team because, like, what is that? Like, what is it? I, I don't know what Moorhead has to do to like to satisfy people this year. Like, what do they have to do? I'll uh, just keep beating Ole Miss. They'll figure it out. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's that's. <laughs> is that really saying much at this point, though? Like. No, I mean like, he better beat Ole Miss this year. Like if he goes six and six or something with a loss to Ole Miss, good luck, buddy. Yeah, man, that uh, that would be tough. Does he get a third year? I mean, he does, but yeah, dang. dude, he does. Oof. But like, then you're in a very extend. weird position. At, like you're going into year three, you're presumably not as talented on the defensive side of the ball as you've been year one and year two. I don't know. They may recruit well enough to where there's not much of a drop-off, but you're certainly not going to be as talented as you were in year one. Like, where's your program at that point? Like, I, like if, if, I guess my what I was trying to get back to before I got off on a tangent is I'm a state fan. Like, what are my expectations this year and what is satisfying to me? You know, like, that. that's – I don't understand. Like, that's would, a, kind of a complicated question to answer. If I was a state fan, I would I would want another eight and four season simply because I don't think eight and four last year was good enough, um, and I think eight and four this year would be good enough. So I, I would think at eight and four to you know maybe maybe yeah going back to the Gator Bowl or something like that would be a satisfying season if if I was a state fan. Yeah, and you got to win. Like they say, the bowl games are meaningless. But if you do that, you got to win the bowl game. Like you can't lose to like the. Like I feel like the way they lost to Iowa was kind of excruciating too. So like that just kind of added insult to injury. But yep. as far as Ole Miss, I guess we could kind of flip it back to the same thing. Like, like they're really is hard to set. Like expectations are kind of hard to set because everything's so new. Like if you're an Ole Miss fan, I don't really know what like would satisfy you. Because like, I mean, there's a world where you go four and eight, but it doesn't look terrible. It's, you probably need to go five and seven and it not look terrible. Yeah. But like I just don't know what it, like five and seven. Depending on who you beat, probably you're okay with going in the next year. But getting to that six win mark for Matt Luke would be absolutely gigantic. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, there and you may disagree. I feel like there's a difference for some reason in between five and seven and four and eight, and, and I don't know why, but but I do feel that way. That you know, maybe getting a, a one game away from bowl eligibility is a little bit better than you know, obviously getting two games away. Um, but like you said, yeah, I mean, if they get to six and six, man, and go to Memphis or Birmingham or wherever, Ole Miss fans will show up with bells on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a massive year from that standpoint to, if Matt Luke could get to six wins with this team, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that, uh, maybe aren't on board with Matt Luke and maybe have a rightful opinion to not be, uh, that kind of jump on board if he can get this team to, to six wins. And I guess the, I know coaches don't think about this, but if you're looking at it from a standpoint of stroll solely from how can I get to six wins? Well, you've got two chalked up. Because, you know, <laughs> you don't beat New Mexico State and Selah. I, I got nothing for you. Yeah, you're um, not going And then you've got, what, Arkansas, Vandy, Vandy, Memphis, and Cal? Yeah. 
Yeah. Where else are you winning games? Like, where else can you go into a game that I got a really good shot to win that? That's what like. Uh, that's what's wild to me is I don't think I mean, the margin for error is very good. You're not going to be favored in any other game. Um, where could you win a game um, at Davis Wade Stadium? Um, A and M at home, LSU at home, but yeah, like, at you know, Missouri, those are the four that you look at if you want to try to win another one. I, for whatever reason, I don't like their chances at Missouri. Like, I, I think Missouri is going to be like very low key, like sneaky good. And particularly with the talent they have on offense, and you know, I could be eating my words if the Ole Miss defense is drastically improved. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I like their chances that well, much at that game. I think Missouri can have a really gaunty record and and not be that great of a football team. Like, I think they can be a lot better than you know a lot of teams in the East, but on the other hand, not be an overwhelmingly great team. And that Ole Miss could go up there and keep it within six or seven points and give themselves a shot to win. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that because Missouri, presumably, if they take care of business and that includes doing it against Ole Miss, we've talked about this before. They could literally be like eight and one going into the month of November with the way their schedule sets up. It's kind of wild, honestly. You need to go to uh, Tunica and put you some money on the uh, over from Missouri. I think it was like seven and a half. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think that's low. <laughs> I do too. Um, I guess uh, the thing is, if their appeal comes out and they're not playing for anything, did they kind of quit? Yeah, I just after seeing the kind of Ole Miss thing, and I guess Luke Matt Luke deserves a ton of credit for not getting those kids to quit. But I think the quitting thing is overrated. Sure, like unless unless you've had like a coaching, which Ole Miss did, uh, which but unless you've had like a coaching change and there's just complete and utter barrenness around you, I'm thinking 2011 Houston nut the simple like postseason ban thing, like. I think it bums the kids out, but I, I don't think that's going to be like like I don't I don't necessarily think college kids, particularly the, these days, look at it and be like, "Well, screw it, we don't like we're not going to try," you know? Right? Like it's a, it's a I, I don't know. I, I, I feel I mean, like it's a bad look if if you're trying to get you know put on film for NFL evaluators and you just kind of quit on the field. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So I don't know. They'll be an interesting team. Um. I didn't really have any other football thoughts. Say the the uh, open championship concluded this weekend. Shane Lowry won. If you say um, so. I uh, I didn't get to watch much of it. Um, which I just kind of had some other stuff going on with media days and then trying to get out here. Um, uh, that's my favorite tournament on earth. Um, because it's such a different place. Like it's link style golf. It's such a different place than they're normally than they're normally playing. The weather can change so radically. And I don't know, it just forces professional golfers to hit shots that they don't normally have to hit and play golf in a manner that they don't normally have to play golf. Like I'd almost equate it to like a snow game in football to where you have to kind of completely change your strategy based on the yeah. weather. Because when the really those go- the golf course out, like in courses like that, they don't really have a ton of, uh, like there's not really a ton of, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Protection. Like uh, the course doesn't really have much teeth if the weather's good. And so if the weather, like the wind is still and it's not raining, like they can kind of tear it apart. But then you kind of saw on Sunday, the weather got bad and that thing was a son of a, you know what, to try to like navigate through Shane Lowry won. He's an Irishman. It was a cool story. Um, Brooks Kepka finished top five. I saw that. My man. Yeah. Kills majors. And he kind of fought, faulted on Sunday, but that was kind of one of my main takeaways from it is like you really can't discount like just how sick this run he, of golf he's playing. Like <laughs> he's finished top ten. Like golf is a game of consistency, and to play at that well at the highest level for that long amount of time is remarkable. I mean, what he's doing in major championships is absolutely insane. 
And like, you know, I, I don't think it necessarily gets remembered after tournaments like this because, you know, he finished nine off the lead, but he was still tied for fourth. Like him being in contention this consistent in in the world's biggest stages is just remarkable. Like I you really you really haven't seen a ton like it. Like Spieth and McElroy have had stretches where they've kind of felt like they could they could win every tournament they're in. But this is approaching a territory of length that you really haven't seen other than Tiger Woods. Like if he could pull out another year next year where he wins one and finishes top 15 and pretty much every other one, that really is getting into like something you haven't seen since Tiger. Now, it, no one's ever going to dominate golf again on a level that Tiger Woods did in the you know late 1990s, like really early 2000s, because the players are better, the fitness is better, like the, the competition's really just much better all around. But like if he pulls together another year like this, it's literally like it's going to be unlike anything anybody's seen since. It's it, so it's it's remarkable to watch. What majors has he won over the past two years? Um, he has won two U.S. Opens okay. um, and has come – I can't remember what the exact score was the last one, but he's basically a shot or two away from winning a third straight U.S. Open, and he has won back-to-back PGAs. Yes, okay, I was making sure I had that right. So he's won two straight U.S. Opens and two straight PGAs. He's won, like, four out of the last, like, nine or ten majors he's played in and, you know, been in contention in pretty much every other one. I mean, he has he has four major championships and six total and five total wins in the United States. That's four of his five wins on American soil are major championships. So he needs to uh, win a Masters, and and he'll be kind of set. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got the career Grand Slam where I guess he wins a Masters and a British. Um, is that like a is is that a rare feat? I mean, you're talking to a golf idiot here. Oh yeah, there are. Uh, yeah, there's. Let's see, Tiger's done it. I believe Tom Watson has done it. Uh, Phil hasn't done it because Phil's never won a U.S. Open. So I believe if I have this right, it's Hogan. Watson has not done it. So it's Ben Hogan, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, and Gene Sarazen. Those are the people that have done it. Wait, Tiger hasn't done it? No, no, Tiger Woods is in there. I, I thought I said him first. It's oh, okay. Nicholas, Tiger, Hogan, Sarazen, and Gary Player. Okay. okay. So, yes, that is a quite a rare thing to do. Wow. So, yeah, so he needs to win the British and the Masters for that. Yeah. I kind of like uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, he's – yeah. I think – honestly, that could happen in the next couple of years. But, again, you never really know with these things. I mean, it's so hard to contend. And he – because that's another thing. He's playing at this level. But, he, like, when you lose it, you lose it. And so, like, the, the longer he keeps this up and the longer he – kind of just ascends at this level is really just the more I guess the more rare it becomes. Uh Speeth for reference is one away. Uh, that's what I, I was thinking he was close. He has Speeth needs to win the PGA. He's won one of each. So he's won a ma- he won the fifteen Masters, the fifteen right. US Open and the seventeen Open Championship. God, so he a, needs a uh, he needs a uh, PGA. I was a, there was a, a golfer that I swore I was gonna start following, but but I didn't I think he won the Masters in like sixteen. Maybe his last name is Kaufman. Oh, God. oh, Smiley Kaufman. Yeah. LSU yeah, kid. So he, you want to talk about going off the map. So he was in, he didn't win the Masters in 16. Oh, okay. He, uh, he, so he's a LSU, Baton, I believe he's a Baton Rouge kid. I think he actually, he may be from Alabama and went to LSU. Anyway, he, uh, won, what usually happens. Yeah. He won on the PGA tour in 2015, his first year on tour, got in contention at the 2016 Masters. And he's kind of fallen off the, uh, falling off the grid he hasn't been in contention in a long time um, so he did win a major no 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 he won oh. he just won and he won 
the Shriners Hospital to open his rookie year on the PGA Tour. Got okay. in contention late on Sunday at the Masters. He didn't win it. He's a Birmingham guy. That's what I was making sure I had that right. Um, but that's kind of a prime example of your game going just completely off the face of the earth. Um, because that guy was kind of on the top of the, and it happens to dudes all the time. Like he's not rare in this sense at all, but like he, he, um, he was kind of on top of the world in 16 and has really just lost it. I mean, he hasn't been in contention in I don't know how long. I mean, it's been in 2019, he's only played five events. He's made one cut, uh, in 2018, he played 22 events and had one top 10. He made three cuts. <laughs> And in 2017, he played 26 events and made 12 cuts with three, one top 10 and three top 25s. Okay. Just, I mean, again, golf in here. Is he making money to do that? If you oh, play yeah, that, man. I, the okay. uh, the uh, golf money list will kind of make you sick. Um, <laughs> in terms, so that's what people don't, that's a kind of another thing that people don't realize. I'm about to pull it up right now. Um, dude, basically, if you're top 100 on the money list, you're making over a million bucks and probably closer to two. Jesus. Uh, yeah, dude, it's a lucrative game. That's why you have all these guys that like would like casual people watch golf and they're like, I've never heard of this guy. Well, he's been around for five years and he's really rich, so don't worry about it. Like he's not necessarily this plucky underdog. He may not have uh you know, he may not be in contention every week and you is definitely not a household he's name. I promise you don't worry about him. Here, we'll play a game here. Watch this. I'm about to get to the back end of uh Okay. About to get to the back end of this money list. So just uh, what what is Thornberry doing right now? Like, is he on the on the PGA Tour? How does that work? No, he's so he's trying to earn status on the PGA Tour by having partial status on the what's called the Corn Ferry Tour. Now it just changed his name because they struggle sticking a title sponsor. But basically, the Web.com Tour is what it used right. to be called. It's the minor league circuit. Um, <laughs> basically, about a de- a, I think it's been almost a decade ago now they eliminated qualifying school that gets you directly to the main pga tour the only qualifying school you can go to now is to get onto the web.com tour which if you finish top 25 on the money list and that you get to the pga tour and he went through he, he went through qualifying school this offseason and got partial status on the pg on the uh on the uh Web Corn dot. Ferry, to, yeah, web tour, web tour, whatever, and is kind of playing that out. I don't know exactly how he's been doing, but I think the idea is he's gonna he's gonna get sponsors exemptions into PGA Tour events. Has already gotten a couple because he was such a highly rated amateur and like kind of a attraction that people want to see. Um, but I think kind of the overall goal, barring something insane at this point, would to be to try to earn his Web Tom Tour card either through Q School or through the finals uh, system next year. So that's okay. kind of what he's got going on, but. Here's kind of an example. You ever heard of a dude named Aaron Wise? No. No, I can't say that I have. He's 102nd on the PGA Tour money list, so he's 23 spots safe in keeping his card. He's top 125 keep their card. You want to know how much money he's made this year? $1.9 million. Just, just in 2019? Yeah, just in 2019, $1.9 million. Um, he's made $1.9 My kid's playing golf. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, insa- it's insanity, dude. Um. Oh, here's another one for you. Uh, you ever heard of a guy named Adam Hadwin? No, I can't say that I have. He does not have a win this year, but he's got a lot of. T- he's made a lot of cuts. He's got five top tens, and so he's forty second on the money list. That's getting him into pretty much every tournament. Major status. He's made two point oh two five million. <laughs> Wait, so he's forty second on the money list? Yeah, made two point oh two five million. Between forty second and a hundred and second. Yeah, no, no. Okay, so I said a million nine. It was a million point oh nine. I screwed that okay. up. He's made right at a million. Okay. Um, he's, he's so four. you ever heard of a guy named Tony Finau? 
I have heard that name. Uh, maybe it's because I bet on golf once or twice. He is. Uh, he does not have a win this year. He's not won, but he's 11th on the FedEx Cup points list. He has four top tens, and he's made a cool $3.7 million this year. <laughs> they still have events to go, too. This is not even close to over. I mean, it kind of oh is. Oh, my but... God. So who's first? Um, Brooks Koepka, $7.8 million. Okay, so there's not a ton of, like, like I mean, obviously – that's four million dollars worth, but it's not like Kepka's making twenty five million more than the guy that uh, is uh, is a hundredth on the list. Nope. But if you get into the basically the way it works, so you get into uh, the playoffs and they played the the four events, so they cut it from one twenty five to one hundred, then the next event from one hundred to seventy, and then mm. seventy to thirty, the Tour Championship. And if you win the Tour Championship, which ninety percent of the time, the way the point system works, if you win that last tournament, it vaults you up enough to win it. It's not always the case. Like you've had guys finish fourth in the tournament and still be ahead in the season long points, so they win the Tour Championship. Yeah. But basically. You win the tour championship, and if that gets you to number one on the money list where you win the FedEx Cup, that is about a million four paycheck for winning the golf tournament plus ten extra million dollars for winning the FedEx Cup year long FedEx Cup points race. That's Mother. about eleven point four million dollar payday in a day. <laughs> Mother of God. And the caddy gets ten percent of that. So can you imagine being the caddy of the guy that wins the tour championship that's and you what, take home four point one point four million in a day? That's what I should have done in life was be a caddy. Yeah, no kidding. If you catch on to a guy that's got a, uh, got some, uh, got some status, you you've got a shot. Anyway, we've done like thirty minutes on golf. Uh, what else do we have? That's man. That's July. Uh, birds uh, aren't real. Yeah. So conspiracy theory Monday was now brought to you by my friend Jay, who keeps sending me pictures of this billboard in Memphis that says <laughs> birds aren't real. So I decided to do some digging and some sleuthing into this. And I did not. So I'm going to ask questions. Okay. So here we go. There is a billboard in Memphis at the Highland Strip. I don't really know what that means, but it says birds aren't real. And basically, it is a movement that is accusing politicians of spreading lies through tweets and accuses – basically, the gist of it is what they believe is that birds are not actually birds. They are government-issued drones. They think the government started killing off all the birds back in the late 50s, early 60s and replaced them – uh, with drones, which I think kind of kind of is 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 borrowing from the Big Brother theory, um, and so that's pretty much what they got going on here. So there's people that really believe that birds are basically a surveillance system for the United States government to watch you. At one time, there's an activist who named Peter McIndoe from somewhere in Arkansas. And said he didn't necessarily he didn't start the movement, but he decided to join it in around around 2015 because of his growing distrust of the feathered beings how uh how screwed up in the head do you have to be to uh not trust birds um yeah i don't really know on this one I, this is not one i can really get behind um <laughs> okay this kind of leads me to another topic do you think the government actually cares about me and you's li- like your life and my life no, I think I think no. companies do to try to like get a hold of our behavioral patterns and stuff and try to like sell us stuff. I don't think the government per se necessarily cares. I mean, obviously you got like national security stuff and you're trying to like, you know, um like keep people safe, but I don't think they care. I, I don't There's really not don't. a file on me and you for God's sake. Well, speak for yourself, man. <laughs> You, you do it no, I'm hoping there's not a file on me. But yeah, no, I, I just—it's impossible to monitor. It's a country of 300 million people. Like, what? What? What in the world would bird drones? Like, how would that help anything? 
bird drones. And if um, they were drones, like anytime there was some kind of crash or crime or something, wouldn't they use the drone to figure out what happened? That's a good point. But maybe you can only selectively use the drone. Yeah, my man that's quoted in this story seems to think this theory is bulletproof, but I think we pretty much debunked this in a matter of seconds. It wasn't necessarily very hard. Um, but he said, we don't find this humorous. It. We don't find this humorous. This is a serious issue and something we're trying to spread awareness of the unconsensual surveillance happening on a mass level. Birds are lying to them every day. Every tweet is a every tweet by a bird is a lie. I don't really know any, what that means. He's just talking about when they like make the noise. Not like, you know, tweeting. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Okay, so this isn't Twitter. This is a bird like like chirping. <laughs> Think proactively, Rip. Okay, I, I guess when I go outside, I'm really going to have... Uh, oh, th then he had the audacity to call uh, flat earthers nuts. So there's a lot of crazy <laughs> people out there. He said flat, flat earthers are out of their minds. They're nuts. So fake Wait, bird what? guy is not buying into your flat, flat earth, flat this earth theory. Memphis, right? Yes, it says. We, we yes. should get him on the podcast. Um, yeah, I might have to check with my bosses on that one, but, uh, <laughs> the, the man spent anywhere from 2,500 to five grand on a billboard to spread awareness for this. So if nothing, if nothing, he's not, he's, he's passionate. If nothing else, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, there's he, a video really of him I'm not going to play right now, but I, uh, yeah, I don't think we could get this guy on. I'd like to hear his side. Um, see so that government controlled drones use power lines as charging units. No, I kind of like that. To power up, and the birds that are eaten, like chicken and turkey, are actually synthetic meat alternatives. Wait, that's a good question. So are we eating the drones? No, no, no. He's telling you they're not eating the drones. He said the drones are are being like they're using the power lines as charging stations, but the chicken and turkey that we actually eat are synthetic meat alternatives. You can't eat a drone, man. Okay, okay. Well, I like knew I had whale. to give it my all to the movement, so I abandoned everything. I left my friends. I abandoned my family. I have not spoken to them since, and I made the truth. They don't miss you, buddy. Um, so quail, like the, the ones you just shoot out of the air, those aren't drones either? Um, that's a good point. Like I imagine a couple of dove hunters and some quail hunters, like if you hunt any kind of bird of game, yeah. you probably have a gripe with this because I imagine when you wow. shoot it, like you're not going up to find a bunch of electrocuting wires. So you shoot it and then you eat it. So now you've eaten a drone and the government can track you at all times. Think about that. Yeah, I guess that's certainly possible. But man, like, like, so what are these clay pigeons that you shoot skied? What do you think they are? <laughs> I think they're pigeons. So many questions on this. This is this has really been interesting. Um, you people um, wanted to hear about JFK's conspiracy theory. That's just mild. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that next week. I'm not sure how this one's topped. I mean. Every tweet is a lie. That could be put on a T-shirt, I guess, but I don't know in the context that he's you talking about. You need that T-shirt, actually. Yeah, I actually really do. I might have to reach out to this fella. Um. Anyway, that's really about all. I does there do we do, is there anything else going on that I missed? I mean, we just talked about golf and birds not being real for like forty minutes. No, there's nothing we missed. Yeah, there's a speckle of old miss stuff in there. Like, sorry. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I don't. I mean. It's your vacation week. There's not a ton going on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You, you I, gonna um, get all the vacation days in? No, there's no way I'm gonna be able to use all these things. But it's fine. It's whatever. I'm technically working right now. <laughs> but anyway, I'm probably gonna go to the beach and read a book today. You're gonna read a book? I am. I'm gonna read a book, and then what, I'm what's probably the gonna wonder what all these seagull robot things are doing around me. 
What, what's the book we're reading? I don't know. I'm probably going to go to the bookstore and pick a couple out. There's a Barnes and Noble around here. I was just going to say, wow, do you have a multitude of books to pick from? Well, I had a couple that I was going to bring, and I actually left them on my nightstand when I was Jeez. leaving at 4 o'clock in the morning because, you know, my, my thinking was not quite clear um, it, you know, that early in the morning. I was, so I was not I'm just going to buy a couple reader. there. I so I, I like reading articles. I like reading uh, like long-form journalism stuff. Uh, I need, I'm trying to get better about reading more books. Like I, I had a long stretch where I didn't read a book, and I was kind of like, I, yeah. I, I probably should fix this. So I'm not like I'm – like I'm far from a bookworm, but I'm trying to get back in the habit of like reading more books because honestly, in some ways, they're just different styles of reading and kind of, I don't know. You find a good book and you get into it. I just kind of want to be able to like finish something, I guess. Are you a big biography guy? Or are you like nonfiction, fiction? What are you? Uh, nonfiction biography. I'm not a big fiction reader. Um, that's just not really where my interest lies. But I like biographies, a lot of sports related stuff, some crime. Okay. What's you one that you need to read? Okay, Josh Hamilton's biography. Okay, I, I've heard that's really good. I, yeah, uh, I will it, definitely it look really, into that. Yeah, um, it, it makes you want to punch him about seven times. Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Josh Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's it's depressing. Because like, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but he like gets back, and because of what he's done to his body, he can't really play. Right, but I think this is just the act of getting back, though, is kind of remarkable in its own right. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm trying to I, my my uh, someone gave me Andre Agassi's book uh, yeah, a while back, really and I started that and didn't finish it. I need to finish that. That's mission number one when I get back. But unfortunately, it's on my nightstand, so that doesn't really do me much good. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing today. So. Um, unless you've got anything else, I'm going to get out of here and go get some sun on these very pasty arms. There you go. There you go. Go get tan, Brian. All right. Well, we'll be back at it on Wednesday. Um, the podcast are probably going to be shorter this week. I'm technically on vacation. There's not a ton to talk about. We'll get rolling into fall camp in the next coming week. But if you want to hear my thoughts on the West Coast and how I may never come back, come to Wednesday's podcast. And then, of course, Mailbag Friday is your day. So we will be back at it on Wednesday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.